Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Up next on Inside Champ Car, a VIR preview and a chat with David Kisak. Welcome to the Inside Champ Car Podcast. I'm Brian Bolanski. And I'm Bill Strong. Today, we're going to talk about VIR and the upcoming upcoming race weekend. We're also going to be joined a little later in the show by David Kisak. He's a Champ Car driver, a former IMSA driver, raced Corvettes and Porsches. Wow, what stories, Bill. That was yes, a ton of fun. That's, that's some, some great stories there. No drug running involved. That you we know, know of. Every, Every, well, yeah, that we talk about. Whenever you talk about IMSA, you know, from the you know the old <laughs> days of the '80s and '70s, you think of the uh, the the bad stuff. But, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the big money. There you go. There yeah. you go. You know, it's fun. You know, we this is this podcast a little inside baseball. We 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 all almost always now record the interview first. First, right? Which is cool because then you and I get to like tell people how cool what yeah. what we got coming is going to happen, and then if they don't want to hear you and I banter. And they have to wait. Yes. No, they they can't fast forward. They have to wait. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't think I can disable the fast forward feature. Oh, shoot. Darn it. Darn so it. So what, what's it been like for you here? You went to uh, Auto Club this weekend? I did. I did. Uh, got to see the new next-gen cars. You know, I, I know there are people who, who do what we do, who mm-hmm. sometimes turn their nose up at the NASCAR folks, but those new cars are really cool. Um, I, had, I had tickets to the Phoenix race here, and... So funny story. Um, I'm out in Phoenix for the fall race. Right. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to get tickets. I'm going to take my kids there. We're going to go watch the race. And I go online and then, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that holds, I'm holding my phone away from my face here. I have to hold it far away. I start clicking. Next thing I know about four (laughs) tickets and it says, you know, the thank you letter is, you know, we'll send those out to you in March or whatever. And I'm like, wait, no, what, what? Yeah, March, yeah. and yeah, it had been sold out, and I didn't know I'd bought tickets for like next year's race. Very and cool. So yeah, I had tickets for it, but I have to. I say gave them to my kids, and my daughter, and her husband, and my grandsons. Nice. And said, "Go watch a race." Nice. Of course, my grandson's only six months or not even a year old yet, so he might like it. You never know. So what's cool about those cars, or one of the things, in my opinion, right. is they have these new composite bodies, so they don't they they tear and they don't bend they don't dent like an old school metal body think think saturn or pontiac fiero remember the plastic bodies on the pontiac fieros or those cheap cars that your mom and dad would get you when you didn't have any money for a hot wheel (laughs) (laughs) no but it's 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 not a it's not like it's not really carbon fiber it's got a bend to it where you can rub and flexes yeah plastic reinforced or, yeah, plastic reinforced. Right. 
or fiber reinforced. Is it called? I don't know. Right. Something like that. You know. So obviously, if you hit something hard, it's gonna it's you're gonna have issues. But right. it it allows you to put that old Darlington stripe on the car and and maybe not bang out all of what was done to it. Uh, it also doesn't allow for that little massaging that they would try to get away with. You know, in the right, wind tunnel, because right. uh, it doesn't. You know, you would have to probably heat it. And bend it. I'm sure they've got ways, but well, they've got bondo, right? They got plastic. They yeah. have those those plastic welders. Sure, sure. Could probably do to reconfigure um, it. But that was pretty cool. And of course, you know, now they have they've caught up to the 1990s and they have sun- center lug wheels. So and, and six speed boxes in the back of the car. Exactly, exactly. You know? So we're they're they're almost getting to 2010, maybe. <laughs> I always thought the best the best racing would be for Na- the best way to go for NASCAR, and this is just. I grew up watching NASCAR, um, never actually been to one, which I thought Phoenix was going to be my first uh, NASCAR race ever. But, you've never uh, been never to Richmond or Martinsville? No. Nah, oh, just, you got to go. I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm the guy that sits down and watches it, and I watch the start, watch the you know the first wreck, and then I'm asleep, and then I wake up with 10 laps to go. You, you, know, that's, you wouldn't sleep at Richmond or Martinsville? No, no. no. But, Especially Martin. I mean, I love both those tracks. Yeah, so. and, and I keep being told I should go to those, but yeah. I, I just haven't had time or the need to yeah, yet. But I get it. The uh, and I like to be on in the mix, down in the you know sure. the pits and paddock and stuff like sure. that. But it's the um, I uh, where was I going with that? I have no I just, idea. This happens to me. Oh, you know? boy. But yeah, I I, I um <laughs> I want it. <laughs> So VIR we, coming can up. Can we edit this? So VIR. No, this? no, no. This is the fun part. So VIR this weekend, Bill. It's going to be a big race. This is the second race on the Champ Car Series, right? The Champ Car Endurance Series yep. schedule. Uh, the first race, obviously, chilly and cold because it's Atlanta. It's going to be March in in D, in Danville. Still could Which, be pretty chilly and cold. It's not going to be that bad. They're, okay. they're expecting rain on Sunday was the last report I saw. Got it. Okay. Um, but nothing on Saturday. It's a 12-hour race. Okay. Um, we have some pretty darn good teams coming. Uh, Atlanta Speedworks is going to be there with their Boxster. Atlanta Speedworks was the team that uh, ran an IMSA, I guess TCR. Yeah. And uh, they've decided to uh, field some Champ Car teams and uh, kind of, uh, you know, they're coming back. They're going to come back with a vengeance. I think they'll do pretty well. Bliss Racing is going to be there with their Camaros. Um, I've raced with them. I think they're going to win this thing outright. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> No, I, and, you know, <laughs> it got quiet. Freddie Mercury's there. And that's that is the bliss arch nemesis. Those two cars go up um, for the D class win pretty much every every race. And it always comes down to who's going to survive. And Freddie Mercury with their Mercury Capri, they um, yeah, they they will. They're, they're fast. They're really fast. I, I've, I, I've gone up against them. I just love the Freddie Mercury team name. I, I know. I, I, I know just, you do. Do they play Queen in the in the pat in, in the pits and all of that? Do they have a big old old school boombox or something? They they go by me so fast, I, I can't hear it. It's like, and that was it. I don't. I can't name that tune in three notes. <laughs> oh, that's too good. Too good. So uh, we're recording on on Monday. So if the forecast changes, uh, don't don't yell at me. Well, oh, let's do another one. It's gonna rain. It's going to snow. Wait, <laughs> exactly. It's going to be windy. <laughs> we'll just edit it's gonna it. It's going to be cold. Yeah, we'll yeah. just edit it out. Right now, it's supposed to be 61 and, and mostly sunny on Saturday and, and 70, 61 and mostly sunny on Saturday and Sunday, 74 with some rain possible. Yeah. So, yeah. 
and yeah. NLS racing is going to be there. They, they took the win at Atlanta here a couple of weeks ago and their cars will be ready. And they have done really well at this track too. Um, I, th- I think it's going to be an NLS weekend. Okay. Um, though RVA graphics and wraps is there. Um, okay. They have done really well too. And this is their home track as well. Um, yeah, the the four, it's a toss between the four eleven and the one one one. The five one one is the M three. That doesn't count. That's an EC class car. Right. Um, so it's going to be between those two cars and whoever's driving it. Um, you know that 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 could do it. And the Enterprise is supposed to be there. He's been away for quite a while with that big uh, Ford S, uh, LTD. Right. One of the best pictures I've ever seen in Champ Car was at LTD on the banking at at. Uh, at Daytona with a Miata next to it. The Miata looks like a Hot Wheel, you know, it's compared yeah. to this huge thing. That's yeah, too, um, too good, too good. Yeah, so, and the uh, Virginia Tech uh, team oh, is yeah, going to yeah. be there, and they actually did pretty well last year Sure. here. So it'll be kind of cool. They've got a new car. Okay. Um, they've got a new class of kids coming through for their engineering sure. team. Sure, And uh, they, they've got a new Focus SVT, and hopefully they, they can get that car sorted out pretty quick. And they didn't do a lot of experiments. So the – Two years ago, the team came up, had all this experimental aero stuff on the car. Right. And it just, it was, it was a little scary. And uh, some of it was asked to be removed. Sure. And, but, uh, well, I mean, they're, know, they're in engineers, you know, they're oh, trying yeah, to yeah. do what they can do. Yep. So, yep. Uh, the wind tunnel said do this. And we have a different tech tip later. So we won't deep, deep dive into this. But do, do teams do a, a rain tire? with you guys or or are they running tires already with enough tread that when it starts to get wet, they just keep going. We all were in tread. I mean, there there are guys that come out there with shaved tires or whatever, but uh, we would, we would start out in, in, I want to say 2013, we had an ice race there. It was, we were at VIR on the, uh, (laughs) the intercourse and it was supposed to be, um, they were repaving the track. So we ended up, um, doing it on the inside track, which I forget the name of it now. Yeah, it's okay. There, but yeah, there. Um, and so it was supposed to be rainy and wet, maybe icy. So I went out and bought some Continentals and mounted them, and we were ready to go. And we got to the track, and my Dereza, the Dunlop Derezas, did perfect. Once they got heat in them, right, they were great. We never changed them, even during the rain or whatever. Nice. But um, some guys actually, some of the really wet races, they get out there with um with either the con the some street tires right they're street tires right but they're uh a, they're designed more for rain <laughs> and they handle the lower temperatures a little better now you wouldn't want to run them in the dry because they wouldn't last very long but um they would just bubble up and the rubber would just go away but there's guys that run the continentals yeah. and um the extreme contact uh all weather ones and they do quite well um right. some guys are say they in the rain that the uh tires were maybe a second faster than sure their tires you know the sure. fast the fast dry tires yeah so yeah some teams will do that a lot of teams they they bring them but they never use them so, i was at uh at road atlanta once with my street car and it started to rain <laughs> and some driver ran up to me and said can i borrow those <laughs> <laughs> literally took the wheels yeah. off my streetcar, slapped him on his car. Oh yeah. Because you know, Hondas. Yeah. And uh and drove his race and then took the wheels and left my car on jack stands for the entire race and came back and put my street tires back on and no worse for the wear, you know, literally. So so that happens a lot in our racing. And, and I bet. if you go back to like when Dave, David uh David Kisak. Right. Um 
back in the days of the Firehawk series, people would look around for cars, you know, their Firebird in the, uh, you know, yeah. in the paddock or the parking lot and see if they could uh, find some parts off that to use yeah. in those long races where, you know, the parts store ran out of parts. So go get an axle off that guy. Right. Or the parts store doesn't, is it open at 10 o'clock at night? You know, yeah, yeah, when, the, yeah. when the car breaks. Yep. Good yep. stuff. Or you came out, you came out to get your your coat out of the trunk, and why is my car on jack stands? You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> note note to self: ask the owner of the car before you do it. That's usually yes. a, good, a good sign. All right, yes. what yes. else do we need to know about VIR this weekend? Well, that's uh, tech is going on, so make sure you have all your tech right. stuff. Your captain, team captain, has all the tech stuff uh, filled out online. Um, that's through your account that you sign up to the race with. The team captain will go in there, fill out all the. Uh, you know, all the points, um, all the points are your responsibility for all the cheaty bits you have on your car. Um, our tech guys uh, um, will be inspecting only the safety equipment, your roll cage, your belts, make sure all the dates are correct on it. I've got it. Actually, I had about five different emails and messages over the last two days of guys with expired seat belts um, asking if we would just let it fly. Um, if you're asking me now before the race, I'm pretty certain that's not going to work. Right. But um, the, uh, you know, those things that say they end on certain dates are going to end on certain days. Now, that's up to tech. Tech makes those final decisions. And I am not tech. I want to say that again over and over again because <laughs> I, I don't tech. like my boss getting phone calls from the board of directors saying Bill is not tech. <laughs> Bill is not tech. No. Bill is not tech. This. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So, so we have a we have we do have a, an announcement. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Uh oh. Unfortunately, this one makes me sad. Yes. So all the folks in the southeast, and when I say the southeast, I mean the real southeast, right? Florida. Yep. So unfortunately, the September race at uh, what you and I call the Moroso track um, is a Palm Beach International Raceway is shutting down. The rumors are true. Um, This is I'm going to read word for word from our director. Um, this was released today, which is Monday, the right. couple days before this is aired. Right. So Dana sent this out on the forum to uh, greetings all. Here's the deal. The track is closing. Final answer. At least that's the most recent word from my friends there. We will not be running our September race, but there might be an option for kind of a cool champ car memory. I would really like for champ car to host a last sanctioned wheel to wheel race event at the track. Yes. There are other events on the calendar there, but we could be the final or the last actual race event. The catch is it would be on a Tuesday. The date we are looking at is Tuesday, April 19th. Huh. If we do it, we would run a very simple format, short race, two drivers, eight hours with a lunch, a two hour minimum or two driver minimum, eight hours with a lunch break from 12 to one. The break helps us source corner workers for a race on a weekday. Remember, they get right. they, have to, they have to get fed or something. I don't know. So I'm looking for input from you guys. Yes or no? Would you make the race? We don't need to crush the field with entries. Just enough to call it a race. I know that drop di- the dr- the date drops right after Daytona and right before the championship of the Ozarks. But I think it would be cool to have the last race there. What do you think? And this is posted on the forum in the race section on at forum.champcar.org under um, the uh, Palm Beach International Raceway thread. Yeah. Um, the official thread. Um, 
please, if you, if you have even the, the, a chance to run that track, let's, let's do this. Um, it's a neat little track. That's Dana's local track as well. He lives what, I think 30 minutes away from the track. Got it. If you walk, if you walk, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't live that far away from it. And there's a lot of folks in South Florida that do, um, a lot of folks in South Florida that grew up at that track. Yeah, so yeah. it's, um, it's a, it's a neat place. It, it's, I, I don't know. It's a little boring for me because it's so wide and it's made for supercars to be right. on it. But, but it, it'd be fun to be the last race to run on it. So sure, sure. It'd be great. It would be great if you guys want to do that. Please go let let it known if you can or can't. You know, if you even if you can't, just show some, just show some support and uh, go there and on the forum and let Dana know. Do you, I'm probably going to get yelled at for us. Is there a drop dead date to make a decision as when, when you guys need to know kind of a, what, a rough was, wasn't wasn't told that. Got it. OK. <laughs> See, I, I asked the questions and I got yelled at for it. I um, I had actually posted up that, hey, you know, yes, I, I'd go and yeah. I'd have to get my the opal got mentioned and it took away like four or five thread parts and <laughs> gets it going it helps get the the talk going sure. and dana's like keep it on point well he didn't say it like that but yeah he said keep it on point <laughs> that's good stuff all right so the other thing we wanted to talk about was our friends north of the border yep and uh there is a border north of us there is so yeah but you go over there and they all speak english it's west virginia yeah. for you yeah canada <laughs> well, this is in Canada. So we have Champ Car Canada, okay. which is uh, run by um, uh, Perry's Performance and Competition. Um, they've been running our events for the last couple of years now, and they have uh, started up a new uh, Facebook page. Okay. Uh, Champ Car Can- it's uh, champcar.canada on Facebook, and that will take you there. And for those folks looking to uh, race with us or want to take a look at us, talk to our folks, it's going to be real easy to find on Facebook and um, yeah, facebook.com forward slash champ And cool. they also have an Instagram channel. They've uh, started up at champ as well. And, um, yep. Get your latest news. And we'd love to have you guys there. We are at a couple of tracks there this year. Um, three to be exact. We're at Shannon or we start out at, I think, I believe Shannonville, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, and, yeah, I think it's Shannonville. And then we go to, um, that we are at, I didn't write this down in my notes. I should have. It was, uh, we're at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Right. And Calabogie. So Calabogie, August. Yeah, Cal, exactly. Calabogie <laughs> Motorsports Park in August 13th to 14th. That is an awesome track. That's yeah. one of those tracks you'll get lost in. Right. It takes, it takes about a maybe two stints to really learn the track because every corner looks the same. And when I say every corner, it's got a million corners. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they run the sign. The signs for the corner signs are just really long. That's how many corners it has. Well, and, and Canada Tire Motorsports Park again is one of those tracks that will always be most sport. That's most sport. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So cool. Uh, we'll put yep. the links to all of those Facebook and Instagram pages on the show notes. So don't worry yep. about pulling over and pulling out your, you know, your voice recognition software. And if you're driving your Tesla, don't you know, don't stop yeah. gaming while you're driving so that you can write it. You know, all that kind of stuff. We'll get yep. it on the show notes uh, so you don't have to pull over while you're driving. Uh, while, while you're driving to VIR, because that's what you should be doing while you're listening that's to right. this. That's so, right. Very, and then very Sonoma, cool. Sonoma, of course, is. Uh, our West Coast events, we've added a, a, a new class for the folks. Uh, there, we're gonna for basically EC cars have been moved to uh, the the WC class, and we'll trophy down three places in okay. that division because we have a lot of folks that race out there that you know they want a little bit more 
So that's kind of how we have to do it with our series and the board approved it. And that's what we're doing. Cool. Cool. So, and that's out West for the three events. Um, did you ever get any tech tip music? Oh, I didn't. Next I, time. I give you one job. I give you one I job. Know. I know. I'm sorry. I have failed. We, we can use okay. the other music just to get us going. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The, wah, wah. Tech tip time here on the Champ Car Inside Champ Car Podcast. <laughs> so you got me all for blustered here by putting me on the spot. Now, uh, anyway, tech tip time. This is what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. This is uh this is a little different. All I right. don't actually do this because I'm old and I I can't I can't do this. I held it's, out for years. I can't do it. I just can't uh, do it. Okay. I racing. Yes. I racing. Yes. So we have Champ Car for the last few years had the Champ Car I Racing League. Sure. And it's uh it's been a huge success. Of course it I has. Mean, we just it's I I tried it I. You know, I think a lot of it had to do with my equipment I had. It was uh, an old, one of those uh, PlayStation right, type right, steering right. wheels, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't, do, I couldn't feel anything, and I, I have to do that. But there's are loads of guys that they learn their tracks yep. on this. Something about NASCAR and drivers use these yeah. this iRacing thing and Formula One guys and IMSA. So the iRacing thing is, you know, it teaches you the tracks yep. and it's so real you know i guess every pebble and stone and everything is there it's so the experience is is regulated somewhat by the equipment that you have mm-hmm. you know so if you're just have, like me who you have a, a a logitech wheels not sponsored a logitech wheel you know <laughs> bolted to your desk with the with right. the pedals underneath your desk i have a very very sketch setup here for mine but uh, that's one level and then you can go all the way up to full shaker rigs which which right. i have someone who i know and i race with on a regular basis who's got base shakers and led lights and 18 screens and so so there's varying levels of 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 realism david um david's buddy david has a buddy that actually builds these yep. 3d you know it turns you all i mean yeah. it's pretty wicked yeah. thing so it's yeah. so you know you can spend lots of money oh, yeah you can spend yeah. as much money on a sim rig as you would spend to go champ car racing to build a car oh, yeah no question easily no easily. question i have not, not done more. that but uh you know so so for me it's been an incredible learning curve and I was shocked at how difficult it was. And I think people like you and I, who have got experience from being on the racetrack, d- give up too fast. Right. We, we don't like it. We find it difficult. We don't. We aren't immediately good at it. And we have very short attention spans. It's not just the kids who've got short attention spans. Yeah. Us old guys do as well. And I had better things. I had better things to do. Was right. It was right. A lot so it, it, I'm now just past a year into really spending some time doing this or kept coming up on a year. And the first nine months were a huge struggle for me. And then I did the 12 hours of Sebring, the iRacing yep. 12, I'm, I'm sorry, the 24 hours of Daytona. And what helped me so much was that, and here's one of the benefits in iRacing that you cannot get on the racetrack. You can have your coach in your ear while you're driving. Oh, wow. Telling you every single corner what you did right or what you did wrong. You didn't carry enough speed. You turned in too quick. You braked too early. 
and you can have that for lap after lap after lap. So when you're doing a 24-hour race, your teammates are with you on your headset the whole time. And I have a head of teammate who is fantastic, Greg. Love the guy to death. Um, I, I hear his voice in my in my nightmares right now, going easy, easy, easy. That was his coaching. <laughs> but uh, he would help me figure out, you know, where I was not, where I was doing it wrong. And right. I cut literally nine seconds off of my fastest lap at Daytona over the course of my 24 hours. Now I wasn't wow. racing for all of those 24 hours. We did we did one hour stints. And then we had four, uh, four drivers, so we rotated every four hours, essentially. And uh, but but all of that time, I had Greg in my ear most of it. And and but you can't do that in a race car. There's no way other than having yeah. a coach sitting next to you. But you really can't do that other than a track day, and it's not the same. So so that is one of the huge benefits from iRacing, which I learned, is that if you have the someone who who We'll do it for free, you know, a buddy. That's great. There are also people who are really, really, really good who you can pay to coach you this way, right? And and that certainly would be good too. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely worth spending some time. If nothing else, if you're going to a track you've never been to, you know, right. you can learn where the corners are. You can kind of learn what the breaking points are, you know, and and all of that. That's definitely a positive. But there's uh, but to get good at it, it takes a lot of hours behind the wheel. Well, we have a championship that we have, the, the iRacing, the Champ Car iRacing League. Right. And round three actually starts up here on March 2nd is our race at Summit Point in a VW Jetta. They do different different cars for each track. Um, and then uh, March 9th. I think March 2nd is like the first practice races and stuff. And then the, the race is the ninth. But got it. You can go to our forum at forum.champcar.org and uh, you can go to the iRacing forum there. And uh, that will uh, actually give you all the rules, what you have to do, um, the schedule, which uh, we have round four, March 23rd and 30th at Daytona. Um, they're running a Mustang there, and that's a two-hour race. Nice. Um, round five is April 13th and 20th at Lime Rock Park in a Pontiac Solstice. Unfortunately, we don't actually race at Lime Rock, but they've added it to the schedule for some of the tracks that we race at that uh, we don't, they don't have a, a map for. Right, for right. System. Okay, cool. Um, round six is in uh, April 27th and May 4th at Sonoma with a Miata NC. And round seven is May 18th to the 25th or and the 25th at Watkins Glen and a Miata NC. And that's a two hour race. OK, so you, you have to have an iRacing subscription and the yep. software installed. Um, there's a championship point format. Um, it's all described on there. Uh, how many points you get per race. And uh, there's bonus points and all kinds of stuff. Um, the I, overall championship winner will receive CC uh, Champ Car race credits of fifteen hundred dollars in value. Nice to be re- to be redeemed in the twenty twenty three Champ Car Endurance Series season. Second place or second prize will be fifteen hundred dollar credit. Will be rewarded to one driver who competes or completes the series participation requirement. To meet this requirement, drivers must compete complete over 50% of the race distance in 12 or more rounds of the 2022 season. All drivers who have met the requirement at the end of the season will be placed in a pool and the winner of the prize will be randomly selected by the champ car endurance series board of directors. Cool. Um, there's a, there are four longer races each quarter of the season, Daytona Watkins Glen VIR and Sebring. And these will be two hour in length, mirroring the maximum stint time uh, in a real champ car event. And all kinds of other things. And then there's also the huge ass um, clean racer prize. That's the name of the team. Hugh Jass is their name. Right. Not 
now probably YouTube is going to edit me like crazy, but um, their prize will uh, continue to be awarded to four competitors this season. Um, and, you know, basically point system for there and uh, winners will receive t-shirts and I think some other stuff, but cool. all the, it, all the stuff will be on that page. Nice. Nice. So there's no driver changes in this series. I don't think so. No. Okay. Cause it's usually some guy in his basement. I'm kidding. Well, no, no, you don't. You don't have to be in the same. Oh gosh, I'm going to have to do some teaching to you about how i racing works. You don't have to be in the same location. We did the 24 hours of Daytona in four different locations: three on the East Coast and me on the West Coast. So, right. Oh, yeah, because my wife would really hate it. Some guy came over to the house. And I know. Wanting to do a exactly. Change. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Bill. I think that's going to do it. We got to get out of here so we can come back and talk to David Kisak. Yep. Uh, what a great conversation we had with him. And you do not want to miss this, folks. We'll be right back. This is Inside Champ Car on the Racing Wire Podcast Network. Every race weekend, you don't know what's going to happen. But with ChampCar.Live, all the action comes right into your living room. The Champ Car Endurance Series is North America's home to real competitive endurance road racing. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car, trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. And ChampCar.Live brings you live, full race coverage with in-car and trackside cameras, interviews, and expert commentary. Check out ChampCar.Live on the web, subscribe, and ring the bell so as not to miss a single minute of the action. It's fun, free, informative, and it's just a click away. ChampCar.Live. Come check us out. We bring you a front row seat, but you'll only need the edge. Welcome back to Inside ChampCar. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Belansky. Our guest is David Kisak. He's a ChampCar driver with roots in IMSA and a rich history driving Porsches. David, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Brian. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, we, we're, I'm looking forward to it. It just should be a ton of fun. So I hear you're up in the great white north of Syracuse? We're in Syracuse, New York. Why? I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, oh, gosh, Syracuse. What a great place to be this time of year. It's a great no, it's time a, of the year. It's the home of the second-rate basketball team and football team and all that, isn't it, David? Yes, it is. Wow. <laughs> Syracuse University Sports. And not far from the Adirondacks of Lake Placid, New York. There you go. There you go. And not far from the Finger Lakes, where I'm sure you've had some good times. We are about, our house is situated approximately uh, eight minutes from the first Finger Lake. Got it. Got it. And we are are about an hour and ten minutes to Watkins Glen. Cool. My wife is an Ithaca College grad. Oh, that's down the road from us also. So, funny Right across the street from Cornell. Yeah, it is. Very funny story. So she took me to Ithaca for the first time, and she talked to me about these waterfalls, how amazing these waterfalls were. And and all she could talk about was these waterfalls. And we went to Ithaca for, like, college, you know, for, like, homecoming or something. And she took me to the waterfalls. And apparently they'd been in a drought for, like, a year and a half. Right. And it was just a trickle. I mean, it was it was hilarious. So <laughs> was, was that just a few short years ago? Oh, no, this was back, uh, I would say, 1998 or so, something like that. Okay. It's been... They do have their dry spells. Yeah, it was pretty funny, pretty funny. So the, so. the question we have is, where hasn't Brian been? There, there are a few places. Uh, my, my trip around the country has been vast. <laughs> yes. So I like that. Yep. I love it. I love it. So, so let's start from the beginning. And and you have done a lot of really really cool stuff before you got to Champ Car, 
So, uh, and, and I know it was IMSA for some time with Brumos, and but there had well, to well, be. Let, let's let's I, start way back. Well, that's what I say. That's <laughs> way back. That's the before IMSA. One of the highlights. I think it was, yeah, I think it was around the time of of those. Um, oh gosh, ro- rock wheels and stuff. Stone tires. Stone tires. Wow. Yes, Firestone. Actually, actually, Bill, it was before that. You know, I <laughs> I actually started in SCCA, okay. like most people did at the time, because that was the only venue, right, uh, and outlet that there was. So I did the SCCA uh, nationals. Started off in regionals, and then uh, immediately moved to the nationals. What kind of car? Just because the competition was uh, a bit better, and uh, I just wanted to advance. But what kind of car were you racing back then? I I started uh, with a Corvette. That was my first uh, car, and I went to driver's school in it. All right, so that must have been what, B B production at the time? At the time, it was B production, but they also had A production. Right, right. We had a a 350 uh, Chevrolet motor in, and I also had a 427 motor. It was a ZL1, the all-aluminum block. Right. And uh, but we ran in the B production class, and then from there I graduated to running uh, the Trans Am series. Got it. Uh, because first of all, it was so close to Watkins Glen, and uh, and in conjunction with that, at that particular time, what was known is the um, the World Championship for makes race. There mm-hmm. were a series of endurance races throughout the world. The closest one, obviously, here for me was Watkins Glen. Sure. So, and, uh, so we did that, and uh, of course, that was kind of fun and cool with all the, the Formula One drivers at the time, would cross over, and that was uh, that, that was kind of their spending money, I'll say. About yeah. when? Top, what? What era? Formula is One salaries. About what year is this? Are Are you doing this? Well, actually, I started in 1973 in SCCA, okay. and uh, and then my first professional race was uh, two years later. The, so how did actually it was actually it was a six-hour race, and the six-hour race at Watkins Glen was on uh, traditionally July Fourth weekend, mm-hmm. and they had the Can Am series also running. Oh, so wow. they had five major races and also the uh, the Super V Cup, the open the open wheel cars. Right. So that was kind of a pretty neat thing, and you know that was my taste of of road racing with with some true professionals. You know your Jackie Stewart's. All the Formula One drivers at the time, your Peter Revsons. Right. And, so did uh, so that's did how you, it started for me. Did you pay? I mean, did you did you take your own car to this first pro- professional race, or did you drive I took for my somebody own else? Car. Ran my own car for years. Got it. And um, and then that took me to a uh, friend had called and said that someone needed a uh, driver that he was driving for. And that's when uh, the Porsches came into play. Mm. And this fellow had a, uh, a Porsche, uh, twin turbo. And so that's how the, the, the Porsche uh, factor started for me. Was that like and a 935? Kind of Pardon me? Was that like a 935? That's exactly what it was. Oh, wow. 935 twin turbos. Wow. And then, and then the, we, uh, you know, we continued racing together. And then from there, it kind of maybe snowballed. You could say other teams would call. You know, at that particular time, you needed co-drivers and um, a little bit different than it is today with a lot of the, the factories that were involved and they have their own drivers typically today. You know, whether it's the Lamborghini teams, uh, the, the Ferrari, the Porsche teams, they've all got their own drivers. Of course, the Corvette teams. Sure, sure. It, back, it, back, back then, you could be a privateer and do well and compete 
literally on a level playing field, even though they you were competing against the factories. But uh, the rules were much different. You could do obviously different things with uh, really no regulations. And uh, and my car uh, at that time, uh, you know, getting back to the Corvette was a crossover between uh, IMSA and uh, the Trans Am series. Do you think the limiting factor at that time was tire technology that maybe the tires weren't as critical as they were today? No, actually, we did a lot of, uh, of uh, tire testing uh, for mm-hmm. Goodyear. Um, no, and I mean, obviously it was true race rubber. And, you know, I haven't driven on what's given, you know, in the IMSA series today. So I really couldn't tell, right. but I'd probably say the tire war was really raging uh, back when I was uh, doing the IMSA series. So in that era, is that the the Jim Fitzgerald, the start of Paul Newman era? Is that kind of who you were racing with in the, in the Trans Am series? It's exactly who I was racing with. I met uh, I met Paul Newman through the SCCA Nationals, and it's funny because down at Watkins Glen, which is nothing what it looks like now, they had a yeah. series of buildings uh, on the last turn of the track uh, up that road, Wedgwood Road, and um, we'd have parties there uh, the weekend, just just us. And Paul Newman would come over, so we all got to know him well, and it was all a first name basis and. You know, of course, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a little bit of alcohol involved. No. Pasta, a lot of popcorn, lots of everything. And the the teams that I would be with would bring their own chef. So that's all he uh, enjoyed doing was uh, talking and uh, didn't like racing so much, but just liked to talk. And uh, it was a fellow that lost his wife many years previous to that. And uh, he was a great chef and would make breakfast, lunch and dinner for us. So Paul and and all the uh, the Dotson fellows would come over. And, uh, you know, we just sit there and just have a ball. Back when Nissan was Datsun, that's uh, that's how old I am. I remember those days. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, my experiences with, with Paul Newman at Lime Rock were, were if you talked to him about racing, he talked with you for hours, you know. And the minute you started to ask him about anything to do with Hollywood, it would be the end of the conversation very quickly. That was it. Correct. Yeah. He was, his, honestly, he was just a really nice individual you know down-to-earth guy right and uh it's funny because he never gave autographs out right only to children only to children and uh one particular time down at daytona we were entertaining a uh an organization that brought some kids over that they were abused children and uh and paul would, would came over you know and uh spent some time with them and uh that particular year down at daytona the 24 hour race we had some uh, Italians on the team, which we became great friends, uh, even to this day, and they brought their own chef. So the pasta just flowed. And that was also the time with uh, Gina Perro Moretti, Mr. Momo. And he was also well known for his uh, pasta making at all the races. Did but, you? Cr- uh, yeah. Mr. Newman was a great guy. Did you cross paths with Mark Donahue? No. Okay. Yeah, no, Mark. Not at all. But his son. Oh, absolutely. Or yeah, son David. D- David and I did did lots of radio together, and I was it was so cool when I heard that he was getting involved with the uh, Ford versus Ferrari movie and all that kind of stuff. Just a really really nice n- nice young man. I haven't seen him in a while. Yes, he's a great kid. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. 
So from there, you end up in the Porsches, and that's kind of where I'm going to guess you kind of feel like you made your mark there going forward. Um, what was that transition from, you know, big 350, you know, Corvettes into the, the you know, the, the fast, twisty little Porsches that, that sounded very different, drove very different? You know, you went from mid-engine or from, from rear uh, front engine, rear drive to a mid-engine car. No, rear engine. Oh, that's those true. Are rear, those Porsche are rear, rear engine. engine. Right, 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 right. So, what was that right. transition like? The Widowmakers. It, it was it, actually it was effortless. Um, it was kind of a relief not to open the hood at every pit stop like we did with the American cars. <laughs> Looking down pit road, you know, none of the Porsches had their hoods open. Right. You know, all the American cars, every pit stop, you know, the uh, the engine bonnet would uh, would be open. But the transition was uh, I didn't have any problem at all. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to be in some uh, factory Porsches also, so they were pretty well uh, set up. And, um, and the first six-speed Porsche that I actually drove was for a team from Switzerland. Uh, the name was Habitha Racing, and the year that I drove with them, I started at Watkins Glen. They had won uh, the uh, Le Mans 24-hour in their class. Wow. And I met wow. them through... My Italian friends that I drove with at Daytona, that's how it all began. Now, they picked you because you were pretty gentle to the car. I mean, you could drive, but you didn't bring the car back in with just well, a nut know, in your hand. Well, it's, it's funny because a lot of guys today in racing, you know, everybody talks about, geez, you know, we've got so-and-so, and boy, is he fast. Well, fast doesn't necessarily always win the race. Right. Because you want to bring the car home, you know, for your next driver that's getting in in one piece and be easy on the brakes and just be gentle with the car. But at the same time, uh, turn competitive lap times, you know, which which I did and which I could do and whatever they told me to do. Um, you know, that was my job. And that's what I did for them. Uh, the Swiss fellas uh, were, were very nice. Uh, it was a six speed gearbox um, down at Watkins Glen. They told me what gears to use. And um, I thought I could slip one in uh, a gear lower going into the first turn, the 90 at the Glen. And, and uh, Christian, who was one of the owners, it was him and his brother, uh, he, Christian and uh, Olivier. And he quickly got on the radio and told me, he said, I heard the gear. <laughs> <laughs> that was a time with no telemetry. But, right, right. You know, we, we were midway through Watkins Glen. And that's also when they had... Uh, the old pits and they had sidewalks yep. going along the, the pit rail, as you know well, Bill, because yeah. you were there for the Firestone Firehawk series. Yep. Um, but the, the cars were, were, were really cool. And uh, actually, they were just they were the, the simplest thing to drive. The, the twin turbos were just so easy. Did you, you get gentle at first with uh, the accelerator? And uh, because you could spin the wheels up, you know, with no problem, uh. even in fifth gear. Going down the back straightaway at the Glen, uh, and I'm and you two know it. I can tell. Uh, right. You know, I mean, the, the wheels would just spin on those cars. Well, you didn't so, back then. You didn't have the chicane either, so it was balls you out. The, you didn't have the sh chicane at, at yeah. uh, that particular time, no. Right. Well, which chicane are you talking about? On the back straight or uh, yeah, or the back straight. The S's? Not the yeah, S's, the but the, the back straight. Yeah, the back, that was put in in the '90s, I think, wasn't it? But I gotta tell you, Bill, I don't really. I, I mean, I like the chicane that's back there now. Yeah. Everyone calls it the bus stop. Or the bus right. stop, that's it. Yes, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually called, it's actually the chicane. I mean, it's not really, you know, referred to. If, I mean, if you went to the, 
racing library down there, you know, and told them where you're looking for, but they would correct you and tell you that it's still the chicane. Yeah, uh, uh, us broadcasters mess that stuff up. You know, we like to yeah. come up with kitschy <laughs> names like the, the bus stop and and all yeah. of that. It's so funny. that's our fault. It seems like over the years everybody has renamed some corners that uh, you know I don't think, in my opinion, should be. The, the tracks have been sanitized enough throughout the years. I think some corners should be left the way they were originally designed. So that's funny you say that because when Champ Car first announced that they were going there back in 2011, I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, I get to race on this track finally because I'd worked there but not actually race there. And a bunch of people were like, oh, everybody's going to die. Everybody's <laughs> going to die there. It's going to be bad. And, you know, of course, we all get out there for like the first I'm in the first stint and we all go out and it's like, oh, my God, this is really scary. But, you know, we're all tiptoeing around the track. I mean, everybody in Champ Car is tiptoeing around the track, except for the locals that, you know, sure. drove that track all the they time. Do. And it was not that bad. And, and it took me, I want to say two years, maybe, you know, that's what, six or eight stints of finally getting it to where I could just flat foot it through the S's and almost flat foot it through the bus stop with our aero car and almost die through the toe and, you know, those type of things. But it was, it's probably one of the best tracks I've ever raced on. Well, one of my top five favorite tracks. And, but like you said, it's been sanitized. Most tracks have been sanitized. This one has not. Yeah, it hasn't, except for that when they added the chicane to slow everything down for NASCAR. I mean, that was the whole purpose, I believe, of that bus stop. You but know, it just adds it adds a technical aspect to that track where you just—it's not like Road America where you're just going really fast, hit the brakes, right. turn, I, go really fast, hit the brakes, turn. I, I think it's it's now been around long enough that it's been so accepted as part of what was Watkins Glen or what or it is Watkins Glen. Yeah. Um, that that people forget what the, almost that it, there was a time when there wasn't one there, so. But uh, and, and, you know, getting that right, like you said, is, is I remember the first time I did the kink at Road America flat out. Uh, it was the happiest day of my life, honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just you don't think you can do it. And then everyone else is doing it. So, you know, it can be done. But it, it yeah, takes... we don't do the kink. We only we we do the uh, the motorcycle version of it. The oh, OK. What, what do they call that, David, at Road America? The um, you know where the kink is? We don't run the kink. We run the, the bypass. Got it. The okay. course, they call it? I'm sorry. They call that the club course. No, nah, it's the motorcycle course or something. They don't run the, the motorcycles don't run the kink. Got it. Got it. Okay. So well, oh, go ahead. When I, when I, you know, mentioned bills, you know, the track's been sanitized. I was also referring to um, the track itself as far as the runoff areas. Right. We, we had to actually drive on the track. And if you went off the track, you were in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> but now you've got a paved first turn right. that is virtually a parking lot. And it was never like that. And, and then, people uh, use that as part of the track. They use that as part of the track. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, you know, I, I might be off, but I think some people, if they had to really use the track and never go off, they wouldn't drive it very well. Yeah. Right. So, because it takes a little bit more skill to use the track Right. Instead of using runoff area that's there. And, well, then, re you know, you're slamming the curbs all the time, which I'm, you know, yeah. deathly against because of the damage that it could potentially cause and, and it, the, the damage that eventually it will cause, you know, on suspension pieces. 
yeah, that was something that we were always afraid of is because, you know, with the MR2, we had such weak uh, hubs and, you know, the, the wheel components. And so taking that way out there would just, it would just shake the absolute heck out of that car. So it was like, stay away, stay away, just learn how to take it properly and um, stay off the curbs. Well, I mean, now, you know, if, if you fellows looked at the map of the, an old map of Watkins Glen, you'll see at the end of the straightaway that there was actually a, a little chicane there in the old days. Really? Right. I've never used it, but there was a chicane there. Okay. Right as you uh, make the turn. So there was something always there. They just never used it. Sure. As the years went on. Why, I don't know, but. It could have been one of those things that they designed in and then they ran it and they, all the racers like, no, 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 take this away. This is too dangerous. That, that, that could uh, that could possibly be. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, the, the, I guess it started with gravel traps. I think that was the first safety measure that was put in, in a lot of racetracks. And then it decided that there was too much chance of a car rolling over in a gravel trap. So they now paved everything. And and I'm sure that there's insurance companies involved with those decisions and all yeah. of that. But, um, you know, what, what's what's the biggest takeaway that you have now with the, the newer tracks and the situation that we have with with people who have less experience before they get into higher powered cars sometimes? Is it just like, you know, you're trying to, to find this balance between what's safe for so many different levels of skill on the racetrack at the same time? Um, honestly, Brian, I think sometimes these tracks, we'll, we'll take a Watkins Glen, uh, seeing that we're talking about it, that sometimes people might be overconfident right. because they see so much room. So they don't know how to drive the track because they never really learned how to drive the track on the proper racing line or the proper wet line. Right. But, uh, you know, for example, you talked about the gravel traps. They, they, they went to that. And then up through the up through the S's of Watkins Glen, they actually had fence posts there with chain link fencing, hmm. and that was put in as a result of Jody Schechter, right? And um, you know he thought that would be a good idea for the Formula One cars, and and that's and they also had a, a, a different chicane there, and it actually turned into a launch pad, uh, where the cars would just hit it and fly over. So that was rather dangerous, and they took that out. And um, and then down at the uh, entrance of of turn nine, going into ten at Watkins Glen, they also had chain link fence, uh, you know, with fence posts just stuck right right on the side of the track. I mean, there was real there was no runoff room at all. It was simply there to catch cars. They thought that that would help, but uh, actually it, it uh, actually it killed a few people. Now and, and one fellow that I knew in particular that raced in a, it was an SCCA national race and uh, he went through it and it went through his car and went through his helmet. So, so I think those, maybe, those kind of improvements are good. Those kind of improvements are yeah. good. I, I think all the improvements are good. It just takes away, um, you know, what the tracks used to look like, you know, I mean, you wrote America, it, you know, to me is just an absolutely gorgeous track. To have them cut down, and we all know that track, obviously. Right. To have them cut down all the trees uh, where they have their little forest there and their picnic area, I think would be a travesty. And actually, I don't think they would ever do it. Watkins Glen was different because of the people that have owned it for the past few years. And like Brian, you said, I'm sure they are dictated uh, by insurance. 
So now let's fast forward to to the world that you're in today. You know, you've had all these amazing experiences on the professional ranks with IMSA and and going back to Trans Am. Now you race with Champ Car Endurance Series. Uh, and, and I'm hearing as a as a person who's not been involved with Champ Car like Bill has, I'm hearing all of these these folks who have had all these amazing professional racing experiences who have migrated to or are spending time playing in with the Champ Car Endurance Series. What's the attraction in that series for you? Um, the competition, still being able to to race at this point of my life. Um, it started for me in, in 2013 when I got a call and a couple fellows that my name was passed along to them uh, down in the New Jersey area were looking for a co-driver. Uh, they had a Mazda Miata that was their first race, first wheel to wheel. It was first everything for them. And uh, so I, I joined them at Watkins Glen, a little apprehensive when I knew that you, uh, no one was required to have a license of any sort. <laughs> And uh, but I was pleasantly surprised and the weather was atrocious. It was in April and it was maybe 40 degrees, a little rain, a little wind, no, lots of wind, some snow and uh, which made it even feel colder, obviously, with the wind chill. But uh, after that, I was kind of uh, uh, hooked on it and I did a couple more with these fellows. I went down to VIR that same year. And on the flip side, it was like 103 degrees down there. And that was even at like three in the morning. Right. And we competed in the uh, 24 hour race and, uh, and finished the race and did well. And, um, and then the people that are involved are just, you, you just couldn't meet a nicer group of people uh, that, you know, as far as the staff goes. And then the what? competitors themselves. What? Oh, you mean the other staff? Okay, Bill, okay. I take that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the staff that d- <laughs> other than Bill. Yeah. So. Well, at the time, Bill wasn't on the staff. Right. Right. Yeah, I was he a racer was, back then. He was chasing, I think, wheels that fell off his yellow. It only happened twice or three times over <laughs> a long period. But this is this is a great venue for people such as myself that have you know done you know what you've had and and just don't want to quit yet and i can find that i still can do it and uh you still have the uh, the desire to do it the will to do it and uh and being around the people is what makes it even more fun right now for me you know now you convinced your wife to go out and you, you liked it so much you convinced your wife to go buy you a car she got you one for christmas or something well that's kind of the story bill but there's a little <laughs> I, I think it's I think there was a little bit more to it than that. Yeah. Um, well, I just like simple. You know, I like it simple. Come on, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, we had a little tragedy in our family. All right. So I think maybe, you know, that was maybe on her mind. And uh, it just happens that this is the car that I drove at Indianapolis um, with, with a longtime competitor and friend in Buzz McCall. Mm-hmm. They're like really famous right now with their TV show. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah they're, they're doing well. And um, so it was just a thing where um, the car was available and um, everything was just seemed right about it. So it's, I guess Sue thought maybe it would be a good thing for uh, us to get it. Very Keep cool. Keep busy, you know, bring another car in, uh, into Champ Car. And yeah, I mean, that was a very 
very kind thing and generous for her to do. Right. So I'm, I'm back into car ownership with, with Porsches. And your wife, just to let folks know, your wife is Sue. She's she usually works pit out or pit in one of the two. One of the, one at, of the others. And she's also a registrar. Right, right. Got and, it. Uh, and you also have, have started working with Champ Car every now and then when you're not racing. Correct. Yep. With a job uh, undetermined at this point. Undetermined. <laughs> yep. Bill's go. Bill's gopher. We haven't talked about that one yet. Oh gosh, really? <laughs> oh God. I'm gonna I, put you Bill's, under. I'm, put you under Polly. I'm Bill's boy. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna put you under Polly. <laughs> put you way down there. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's okay. I'm Bill's chief whipping boy. So <laughs> I, I'm even a, a notch below that on the list. Well, so David and I met in around '87, '88. Um, we didn't know it. Uh, David has a, posted a picture up on Facebook uh, a couple of years ago and, and of him at the Burger King 24 hours in, at Watkins Glen and uh, him and another driver, I think it was. And in the background up in the stand back when uh, Watkins Glen had those garages uh, with the, the seats pit, on top called the pit roof seating. Bill. Yeah. Up, up the seating there. And I'm standing there with a camera taking pictures of teams with my ex-wife standing next to me with my daughter and it was just like, what the heck? <laughs> That's so a long cool. time ago. Yeah, I was, was skin, the, I was a little was skinny. Firestone Firehawk series. Yep, yep. Yeah. That was a that was a good little series. You ran a Corvette or a Camaro there, didn't you? No, I drove a uh, I drove an MR2. Oh, that's right. Yes. I drove an MR2 for a team yep. that won the championship for their class the year before. Okay. Right. And those were really neat little cars. Yes, they are. And 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 I you can really. Uh, parallel that series with champ car uh-huh. right now you know you're not the only one that i've heard say that I've, I've talked to other drivers with our other show champ car live that have said basically the same thing that e- even though they were kind of showroom stock they were fixed up but they weren't really showroom stock but um they, that the series was as competitive as as oh, champ the, cars. The series was very competitive yep yeah so, and i drove a porsche uh, a 944 Mm-hmm. And that also once, and um, you know, they they didn't have the horsepower as the Camaros and the Firebirds, and uh, but they won some races because of their fuel, but not wow. always. It wasn't all about the fuel, right? Because the Camaros would, you know, they would roar back after a pit stop, and and rapidly catch you. So it wasn't all about the fuel, but IMSA kept um, they they balanced things uh, extremely well in that series. And of course, everybody was on the same hard rock, you know, the Flintstone <laughs> tires. Yeah. The fire, and, fire, uh, Firestone so Firehawk. Right? That was a great equalizer also. Yeah. So you mentioned so, something a little earlier that I just want to circle back on. And you mentioned how, when you first got involved with champ car, it was a series that, that didn't have, you didn't need a license to get in. And that kind of kind of gave you a start or whatever. Um, how have you found that? Because, <clears throat> excuse me, even the SCCA now has, you know, the Champ Car has proven that you can take drivers with not a lot of experience and get them on the track and, and do it safely. And the SCCA has started to l- lessen some of their school programs to make it a little easier to get a license. Um, h- how have you your experience been on the track with varying experience levels throughout these endurance race weekends? Listen, Brian, I've, I've done a lot of races uh, so far in my life, I've learned that, you know, you watch people, you can tell by their attitude, uh, maybe in the paddock, 
you can tell when they get on the track of, uh, you know, if they're nervous, if they're a little apprehensive. And um, I personally have followed some people around that I was a little leery about uh, because I knew that they were a first timer. Right. And um, and it turns out that they, you know, they, they did really well. And I guess, you know, if everyone just minded their own P's and Q's and didn't drive over their head, you know, above their ability and uh, and get that what's what we all call the red mist. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find I didn't see any problems. That's every, great. Now, listen, every now and then you're going to have that in a series. Sure. I mean, I don't know if you watched the uh, St. Petersburg Grand Prix yesterday. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a seasoned veteran like Jimmy Johnson thought that he could uh, maybe race the third place car that was coming up on him. You know, well, the rules are the rules, and he didn't really have to move over. Right. Uh, you know, fast. Uh, you know, then then fast forward to to Champ Car. There's some people there that, in my opinion, they deserve to be there. Right. They're a detriment to their race team, to the other people on the track, as far as being dangerous or making very poor choices. That's a whole other matter that you know the race director should address. But uh, honestly, I haven't really seen any of that. I've heard of some instances, and I've heard some people complain about, uh, you know, this team or that particular driver uh, in this particular car. But I can honestly say that I have never had an incident since in twenty since twenty thirteen that nice. I've been with Chin Car ever, uh, just period ever. So Wait, we raced, we raced I, together. I, How did that not happen? Pe- I've had more in IMSA and in Trans Am. Sure, right, sure. So, so I don't know who these people that are having problems with other cars are. You know, my my first inclination okay. is, geez, maybe you who think that you're such a, a good driver yourself, maybe you put yourself in a position where you shouldn't have been. Right. So you know, and maybe that's a nice thing about being a little aged in life that you weigh things and say, listen, this would be a poor choice on my part. I know I can take this car, but I'll just wait till I can make a, a very safe pass because I need to turn this car over to somebody else. Right. I, I like how and we've tipped. Drive and think now. I like how we've tiptoed around this topic for the last thirty-five minutes. As someone with a lot of laps under your belt, um, do, do do drivers come up to you on race weekends and seek out mentorship and 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 kind of try to tap into your experience at all? David's um, a little scary, though. On it, honestly, I'm, I'm uh, quite honestly, Brian, I'm, I'm pretty low key. Okay. The fellows that do know me, there, there's been a, a, a few that have come up. Yeah. And they've been younger guys, and uh, and I guess they have taken the time to research or maybe to Google the name, because we're different generations. Right. Right. So if I threw some names out to them, they wouldn't know who these. <laughs> world famous drivers are i mean unfortunately that's just the reality yeah. that i have come to realize um I'll, I'll give you an idea uh you know i was at uh at a race last year i was supposed to pick up this porsche boxster but i wound up driving it that was that's kind of a funny story but and and one of the teammates was lonnie unser yeah well you know i drove against her with her dad Johnny. Right. And I, and I drove, you know, with Al Unser and Bobby Unser and we were chit-chatting and she was asking me about, uh, you know, I, I, my life in general, you know, children. And I said, geez, I have a son, you know, and started talking. And I said, well, he was in New York, you know, and he was, uh, you know, down there acting and on soap operas. 
And Lonnie didn't know what soap operas were. <laughs> so this is, to get back to your question, right. there's some fellas out there and girls that don't know who Johnny Unser is. Right. Well, don't know who Johnny Rutherford is. Right, they right. don't know who Mickey Lauda is. Or Lorenzo Lamas. Because he's so famous. But um, that's well, what you run into. And then if, you know, if they, if they approach me and, and ask questions, you know, I tell them. And typically it's all the same thing. You know, they want to know you know, how to drive this particular track or what you do. And I, I would tell everybody new or, or old or seasoned, all the same thing is just be aware of your surroundings. Right. Now, well, now you've raced. And listen, raced. this is a series where we can all have fun yeah. and we can all do it at whatever age you choose to do it, you know, um, uh, until you're physically or mentally incapable of doing it. But don't ruin it for everybody, you know, because this is a, an opportunity that you will never have any other place to drive some of the tracks that Champ Car has, has visited and to, um, you know, and meet the people that you're going to meet. And, and honestly, they're just lifelong memories. Yeah. Fantastic. Now you've raced, you've raced with other, not just famous racers, but also actors like Lorenzo Lamas and um, the so Jenner Lorenzo, dude. Lorenzo, guy Lorenzo was and, a good guy. Yeah. I, 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 actually, Bill, I was, I was uh, going to contact Lorenzo to see if he'd be interested in driving, you know, coming oh, that would be race. awesome. He's a good awesome. guy, and uh, you know it's you funny. You probably because... crossed with Tom Cruise too, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because he was, you know, he was. I think Paul. I think Paul Newman took him under his yeah. wing because you know Paul lost a son. Right. He had a son that died, um, you know, as a young kid, and um, you know. I understand now, I didn't then, but I understand now, you know, sometimes the look in his eyes, you know, the faraway look and, and some of the things that he might have said. But uh, he took, you know, Tom Cruise under, but, you know, that just, it didn't work out. I don't think Tom Cruise was well, that interested. I think his wife, actually, he got into that really bad wreck. And I think his wife actually talked him out of that at, at that moment. Said, no, no, you need to, you need to look at something else. Yeah. And I think probably the movie contracts had something to do with that yeah. as well, you know. <laughs> He, yeah. he was in my first driver school uh, back in, I don't remember what year that was, a long time ago, up at Road America. And, it was uh, an SCCA school? It was an SCCA school, yeah. yeah, right when he was starting out. And uh, he was just, just, you know, everyone just like, well, leave him alone, don't talk to him. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, he didn't seem, he was nice enough, as far as yeah. I could tell, but it was just very funny. So, um, so, so Bill, as, as we get to the point where we need to start wrapping this thing up, cause we could probably talk for hours. Oh yeah, we could. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on here before we get going? Yeah. Um, so you drive a Porsche, Porsche now, um, a Boxster Porsche and Boxster. yeah, Porsche Boxster. And how, how does that compare to the, the dynamics of it? Not necessarily the speed, but the dynamics of it compared to the 935 KRs back in the uh, drug infused, uh, oh, God, Bill, there's no, there's no comparison. Like I mean, none. The, I mean, the twin turbos. No, not not the dynamics of the car. You know how it handled. I mean, are the newer cars easier and better to drive than those those monsters from back then? Well, listen, those cars they they were not only incredibly fast. I mean, they were just a beast to drive. As far as the 935s, they had a, um, you know, they had an aluminum tube frame. Right. And oh, your, wow. Your, and and the, the floorboards were fiberglass that obviously were removable. And your butt was maybe three and a half inches off the ground. So you felt 100% when I back, safe. When I, when I look back, they were kind of scary. Right. As you're doing it, you don't 
think that because you were in something that, you know, not many people will ever have the opportunity at that time to be in. Right. And the cars are, they're just a beast now, but they're, they're the most beautiful design car that you want to lay your eyes on, you know, with the long tails and the, and the Kremer cars. Right. Um, you know, they, they were just, just an absolute uh, piece of machinery. As far as the, the modern cars now, listen, the Porsche Boxers are easier to drive. Um, you know, being the mid-engine car, uh, they're reasonably uh, easy on fuel. Uh, they're a very well-balanced car. And of course, you know, the Porsche brakes. I mean, look, you know, uh, right. you, you can't say anything bad about Porsche brakes. Right, no kidding. I mean, these are stock brakes on these cars. And it, uh, down at the 24, we, we, uh, in VIR last, uh, this past August, you know, we went the entire race on a set of brake pads and I could even, uh, use them probably for another 10 hour race. Wow. You know, as we are now. And we also, you know, went, uh, you know, the, the race on the Cooper tires. Right. So, you know, but, you know, along with that comes a car that you have to, you know, uh, well balance and it's gotta be driven properly also. And that part, that's, that's the part that when we initially started this conversation where, you know, you have to make sure things are set up and you have to take care of the car. Because, you know, if you're there at the end, then you've got always an opportunity to, to do well. But if you're looking to, you know, break the fastest time of the weekend, chances are you're not going to, uh, to make it at the end. Now, did you ever get a chance to drive the GTP cars or anything higher than the production cars? Actually, I drove a Formula 5000 car once. Oh, wow. Cool. And, and it was a, not not in competition, but mm -hmm. uh, it was in a practice session. And it was a car that Brian Redman, who some of the young guys won't know. Oh, either, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Uh, he won the championship with it the year before. Oh, it wow. Was the, uh, it was the Baraxo Lola car. And Lola was, uh, you know, was a car from Carl Haas. Right. right. Are those yeah. one of those cars that you have to drive fast just to I mean, you have to drive it fast or it just won't drive. It's funny. You have to drive fast or it won't go around turns well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of a scary right, thing right. because, you know, you don't want to go around the turn, you know, slow with them. And it had the kind of a, a sloppy gearbox. And, uh, you know, and they had the Chevrolet motors in them mm -hmm. um, that were, you know, really highly developed. And um, what, Was that because of the ground effects that if you, you were going too slow, you weren't going to stick? Not really, Brian. These particular cars, the the, the Formula Five Thousand series, didn't have ground effects. Okay. They they were just a formula car. The Can Am cars had had the ground effects. Right, right. And a couple of years later, when the series was kind of waning, uh, they could, would take some of these Formula Five Thousand cars and rebody them. Uh, we called them the envelope bodies. Right. Put a different body on them, and then you know all of a sudden you had a Can Am car. Sure. Uh... Okay, sure. But I did drive once. Uh, you guys all know the Mark Donahue, Roger Penske, Sunoco Blue 917. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, a fellow that I knew owned one. Yeah. And he had a 91710, and I had oh. driven that once. Oh, And geez. the thing was just absolutely incredible. Jeez, these are the uh, things like we, we read about in the magazines, and, and that was it. You, you you know, you had to. I had to go up to Riverside just to see some of this stuff, and uh, oh, Riverside, you know, that had to be a great track at the time for these cars. Yeah. 
you know, with the little snake S's there going through. Yep. I mean, they were just so incredibly fast. Right. I only saw little bits of it because that's all we could go, you know, because mm-hmm. fans and dad wouldn't let me go very far. That's right, Bill. You were in California, weren't you? <laughs> yep. Yep. For all that. Yep. Yeah. Those those were good years. Yeah. Cool. So cool. And and I, we're going to have to have you on again to the stories that we could just sit and talk about forever. I mean, that would be so much fun. So uh D- david really can't thank you enough for taking the time with us today it's it's just been a ton of fun you too brian appreciate it all right that's we'll do it again we'll catch up absolutely absolutely it's david kisak he has uh as we talked about tons of roots in in imsa and and, and now he's with champ car series and and again we can't thank you enough for being with us when we come back we'll have a look at what's coming up next week on inside champ car this is the racing wire podcast network Inside Champ Car is a podcast that takes a deep dive into all things going on with the Champ Car Endurance Series. Hosted by veteran journalist, radio host, and racer Brian Delansky and Champ Car's very own Bill Strong, we talk to drivers, team bosses, tech gurus, and series supporters. Episodes air every week in time for you to listen on your way to the track. Inside Champ Car is on the Racing Wire Podcast Network, found on Apple, Spotify, Google, and most popular podcasting apps. Welcome back to the Inside Champ Car Podcast. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Belansky. Getting ready to wrap this one up. A great show, Bill. What Man. I mean, David, what a great guy. What a great that was guy. Awesome. That was so awesome. cool. So cool. All right, next week we're gonna have we're gonna review all of the fun and frivolity, all of the action, this excitement, the con no, there'll be no controversies. Yep. Pro- I'm gonna I'm gonna display all the photos. I got some new camera gear and stuff. I'll display all the photos on this show. Nice, nice. It's a podcast, Bill. I can't yeah. do my slideshow. No, Got this little no. slide thing. But we can put a link to a, a slideshow in the show notes. Oh, we could. Yeah. We could. There we go. We'll do that. We'll talk about that. Hopefully, we'll have the winner or one of the winners from VIR as our guest mm-hmm. next week. That should be a ton of fun. And then we're going to preview Harris Hill Raceway. That's a track. And that I'm not... one we are doing live. Oh, very we'll do, cool. yeah. Champcar.live. We'll have that one up on our. show. We will be doing a live feed from that one with in-car cameras and. Trackside commentary. Nice. Nice. We'll do all of that next week. Anything else before we head the heck out of here? No, the Harris Hill race is going to be cool. That's a packed field. I think we have 40 cars. Um, little tiny paddock in that. It's a square paddock. It's not really a typical race paddock. Uh, it's a club course. So Nice. Um, yeah, it's a fun track. Really fast. You guys will love it. Cool. Cool. All right. That's going to do it for another episode of Inside Champ Car. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any episodes. You could also... Uh, share all those episodes on, on your social media channels. That would be fantastic. We're also now on YouTube. You can listen and watch. There's not much to watch, but you can certainly listen via YouTube. Uh, you can go to the Champ Car Live YouTube page for that. Uh, also, you can leave us a comment on the Champ Car Facebook page, especially if it's a good one. New episodes every week. He's Bill Strong. I'm Brian Bolanski, and you're listening to the Racing Wire Podcast Network.